if it's not a hobby you love and you're being opportunistic, you better be ready to get the heck out. Whoa, that is the type of conversation Shadi and I have in today's episode number 87. I think you're going to like it. Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. Hey, what's going on, folks? Ty from Breaker Culture, and this is episode 87 of Breaker Culture Weekly. Thank you so much for joining. I'm excited to have Shani back in our virtual studio. It is always good to chat with Shani. He is a uh, vital part of everything that's happened with Breaker Culture. And I'm excited because not only is it great to have him, but it's a phenomenal topic. It's a timely topic. I wanted to chat with him about really the state of the hobby and, and not so much what's going on with COVID-19 and the lack of products. I mean, that stuff is it gets there, right? We just can't control that. There's a grading is the grading shut down, but it's led, it's led to some, it's led to some scary price movements. And I am not of the belief that this is an unstoppable hobby or that prices are going to continue through the roof. Like that is, if you believe that, I mean, I, I feel bad for you because if you look at basic economics, you look at any asset class, it is, it is just not going to keep going like this, guys. It's just not. And you have to look at kind of what's causing this. What is driving prices right now? And so today, Shani and I talked through that. And uh, hopefully you leave with some uh, a different opinion than what's kind of floating around these days. And give you a little bit more of a, a perspective and a, of some strategy. We talk about some strategy for veteran collectors. Talk about strategies. If you're a new collector and you don't have a bunch of assets, a bunch of collect, you know, um, cards that you've collected that you want to sell, what could you do to kind of take advantage of the opportunity? So, uh, yeah, it might be controversial. So I apologize if it is, but that is, it's, we're here to tell you what our opinion is looking at data, looking at actual data, underlying data, you know, data that smacks you in the face and give you a, a well-rounded opinion. So enjoy the conversation. Two things real quick. Number one, uh, I, I am super excited because I've been a part of helping to create and develop some some of the mindset of a new site called thedailyhobby.com. The Daily Hobby is really, it's just meant to be an aggregated news source for the hobby because there's all kinds of different components of the hobby and um, I think everyone's trying to put out great content and there's a lot of people putting out great content. And the, the purpose of the Daily Hobby was to just consolidate that and give you one spot to go each and every day that brings together some of the best articles, some of the best videos, some of the best forum posts um, within the hobby. And um, they're, they're doing a good job. A couple guys working on it together and uh, they're doing a great job of kind of putting out that content and giving you something to go to real quick, real quick. There's no fluff there. It's just the headline, right? You click the headline, it takes you right to that site. There's no commentary. It is like some of the other popular aggregated news sources out there. So uh, check it out, thedailyhobby.com, bookmark it, check it every morning. It's a great way to real quickly get a, um, a vibe on what's happening. Second, super excited because as you know, we're part of BenchClear Media, um, one of the better media networks in the hobby, maybe the only quality um, 
network and the hobby. And we have a awesome sponsor. If you go to benchclear.us forward slash fanatics, or just go to the show notes and click the fanatics link, you get a special discount and it helps support everything that we're doing at Breaker Culture. It helps everything we're doing at, at BenchClear and uh, supports all the other shows. House of Jordans, it supports Wax Museum. It supports everything Jeff's doing at Pat Geek. And uh, it's a great way to, to go buy some cards. And they, obviously they have a, a decent selection of cards at Fanatics. Um, they also have this, the best gear, right? You can get all kinds of great NBA shirts and jerseys and all that fun stuff. It's where I get a lot of our uh, stuff for, for baseball, youth baseball, every single year. And uh, I'll be doing the same thing now. So anyway, check it out. Let, click the link in the show notes, Fanatics. And uh, you'll, you'll use our, our, uh, our link and you'll be able to access the current discounts happening at Fanatics and also give a, a slight kickback to everything that we're doing here. So enjoy the conversation with Shanee and have yourself an amazing week. Shani, how you doing? I'm good, man. You? Ah, pretty good. Can you believe it's, I want to say it's been four months since we last recorded. Sad. It's so sad. Oh my gosh, it's so sad. April 26th. What episode is this? This is 87. Oh my, that's an awesome number. Is it? Why, were you born uh, in 87? I was born in <laughs> 75 on January 7th. So seven has always been a big number, and eight's the number I wore playing ball. And you just pulled num- that one out of your. Booty. I did not, and then eighty-seven is Sidney Crosby's number. So the nu- eighty-seven or seventy-eight, either direction. And Jenny was born in seventy-eight. So those two numbers individually and together have always been big for me. My email address is spellid seventy-eight. There you go. So backwards is Sidney Crosby's number. Yeah, good number. Eight and seven. All right. Well, now I feel I- like. Uh- I somehow timed this the, exactly Odd, the way it was supposed right? to be. That's cool. How's your family? Everything going all right in Pittsburgh? Yeah, thank God. I mean, my immediate family, wife and kids, good. You know, their kids are a bit bored. and But at the same time, they're resilient. And I'm very happy to have seen them really just take care of themselves in many ways and entertain themselves. And yeah, not I would say not even once a day do I hear dad do something i'm bored not even once a day maybe a couple times a week because these kids really have taken on a a, a personal responsibility for themselves and and you know not to say that it's a bother if they pipe up and affect my day because i'm here jenny's here we're all in this together but very very early on in the process they both together and individually have taken it upon themselves to do their own thing so there's several hours each day that all four of us are doing our own thing and not getting in each other's way and i'm so thankful for that because if it wasn't the case i think we'd all be killing each other by now (laughs) but very naturally we just laid into this routine that has allowed us to really continue to get along without much of a problem that's awesome it really is beautiful i think you're the one that told me yeah you are the one that told me this that you could not do like a 12-hour road trip with your family because you'd go crazy 
I can't do a five hour road oh, trip. There you go. So, so to hear you say that you've been able to, to handle the lockdown without going crazy. Yeah. That's great. It's that's a, great. No, no, it really is amazing. I mean, I've, I've been so impressed with these two. I mean, and they're 10 and 13. It's not like they're teenagers that have a whole bunch of different things going on. I mean, it's a different world too. Sure. You know, the, the days of YouTube and TikTok. That, that wasn't available to me when I was this age. And if I was going through it at 10 or 13, I think it would have been a much different experience. But, you know, not to say that I'm allowing them to have eight hours a day of screen time, but they're definitely getting a lot more than I would like. However, what am I going to do? You know, we're all stuck in this house. What can we do? You mean you don't sit down and read books to them all day? I'm so disappointed in you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me wrong. As a parent, I've been disappointed in myself at times, but I've got to remind myself there's only so much you can expect. Yeah. And yeah, I've blown the whistle here and there and said, all right, screens down, go do something positive and good for your brain. But again, I I have to keep that in perspective. And if I notice myself Mm -hmm. that I'm reverting to the things that aren't necessarily all that productive, how can I expect them to do any different? You know? Yeah. It'll, <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see a lot of families, right? When we go back to a new version of normal, right? It's not going to be the old normal, but the, a new version of normal where we, we have variety in life again, like how that, that allows us to kind of refocus and prioritize our family life and our home life better. Now that we've, we've taken a lot for granted, like how do we switch up and, and kind of recalibrate the way we spend time at home? I think it will be interesting to see. Cause I know for me, it's like, I, I realized like, man, I, I didn't do a great job at like creating an environment consistently at home to, to want to be there. Right. And to, I mean, not that it was horrible, but now, now I want to prioritize that a little bit better. Right. I mean, I, I hear you and I agree with you at the same time for anybody who's thinking about that. You gotta be ready to strike when the iron's hot because we both know that whenever we do start to transition back to real life and the new normal, as you put it, it's going to be very easy to forget that motivating thought that you just expressed Yep, and just settle into whatever that routine is sure, and forget about, Oh, I, I was going to do this or I was going to do that. <clears throat> and you know, it, it it's not going to take very long once the floodgates reopen for everybody to just go back to the same old, same old routine yep. and, you know, lose that motivation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Do you, do you see in Pittsburgh, I mean, are you guys on a true lockdown like every other state or every other city? No. No, you're not? No. Okay. So are normal businesses open then? Um, no. There are, you know, you have the, the, the obvious places that never closed. Right. But the, the majority of everything else is, is closed. Uh, restaurants are open for takeout or delivery. Walmart's targets, supermarkets, that kind of thing. Yep. Everything else has continued to stay closed. We haven't reopened like some states, uh, in my opinion, far too early and far too fast hmm. in some situations, at least. But uh, when I say it's not a true lockdown, what I mean by that is <clears throat> people are still leaving their homes. They're taking walks. They, 
there's definitely an opportunity to get a little too close for comfort if you're the kind of person that freaks out about sure. proximity. Um, y- y- there's no question that there, and there are people that have still never taken this as seriously as they should, in my opinion, and, you know, continue to try to get away without wearing masks or gloves. Only, what's today, Sunday? Only this week did Pittsburgh finally institute a mask necessity in all public places, including stores. But you can still not wear gloves if you don't want to. Hmm, got it. Uh, okay. So up, in, like, up until literally six days ago, wow. people were still walking around without a mask. <clears throat> That's the situation funny. here. That's very normal. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I find the funniest thing when you're out and about getting groceries or what have you, <clears throat> excuse me, people either grossly under or grossly overreacting to their environment. <laughs> to me, that's one of the most entertaining things. People that, you know, almost have this like built in eye gauge for what six feet is. And the moment you walk inside of their six feet radius, they're like convulsing and freaking out. Right. Or people that have, never really even considered it and they're just up on you up on your back when line for something you know <laughs> so i actually was standing in line at a supermarket <clears throat> and the people behind me got right up right up against me and i kind of prided myself in not really overreacting to anything and not making other people feel bad or something like that in this case my initial thought was i'm going to turn around and tell them to get up off me i mean come on back up but you know what i'm not going to do that i'm just going to get out of line go right behind them and let them go ahead of me, but without saying anything. So that's exactly what I did. I grabbed my stuff off the conveyor belt thing and put it back in my basket. I was just holding a hand basket. I walked behind them and stood six feet behind them. And they looked at me the whole time like, what the hell are you doing? I was like, well, if you're not going to give me the space that I deserve, then I'm, I'll, I'll just get out of your way and I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it dawned on them at, some point and they kind of looked kind of embarrassed you know the woman turned a bit red it's like okay i'm not gonna yell at you i'm not gonna freak out and convulse and lose my mind but you know and i'm I'm not freaking out if people are getting a little bit too close you know it's like that was just that was the most uncomfortable situation i faced and really the only uncomfortable situation i faced but i've seen people actually it happened to my my Son, my 13-year-old took our dog for a walk, returned home, and was standing in front of our house on the sidewalk, hadn't crossed the threshold of our property yet, was still standing on the public part of the sidewalk. Some husband and wife elderly couple walking their dog comes walking in his direction. Well, he's standing still. He was standing still for several hundred feet as they were approaching. Not until they were literally next to him did they decide, you know, from my point is they could have from a distance said, excuse me, can you move so we can pass? They didn't say anything until they were next to him, at which point at at standing next to him, they screamed, you get out of the way. I'm like, he's 13. No kidding. He's. Got his dog on a leash, obviously. What are you doing? 
And as they walk past him, their little yap dog decides to kind of scratch at his leg and actually like truly scratched his leg. Didn't break the skin or anything. It's not that big of a deal. I'm not suggesting that it is. But the as a whole, the experience was like pretty shocking. <laughs> and I'm looking at this old couple like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? This whole experience has made some people literally lose their minds. Oh, for sure. For sure. No, there, there are some funny like ironies and like the way people are acting. Like I, yeah. I, I love the whole like the, taking the mask thing to an extreme, you know, like yeah. let's, let's, let's wear this around everywhere now. Like it, there's, there's right. nothing better than driving down the highway, seeing a, a guy with his windows up That's with a mask part. on and like, do you, do you realize like you're in a car by yourself? Like, you know? right. <laughs> or then the, the other, the other one is like, I'm, I'm going to get my oil changed the other day. And I don't know how it is for you, but like at the dealership, it was, you pull up, you know, the guys have their, their mask on you, you drop it off. You can't go inside anywhere. You stand outside. Well, the guys helping people, you know, the mechanics, they're wearing the mask. And this guy, the guy in front of me, I see the mechanic up there taking the next guy. He starts like coughing, like coughing hardcore. <laughs> and and oh, he pulls God. his mask down to cough as <laughs> if like the mask is getting in the way of my cough. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like you're literally de defeating the purpose of any of this. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just unreal how stupid people can be. Yeah. It's, uh, you just have to, I mean, you just have to laugh sometimes and yeah. realize like we're, we're all in this together. It's all new territory for all of us, right? We can hopefully look back on this months from now and, and kind of giggle at it, but I don't think it's going to be that easy. Well, probably not. I will say this though. I, I'm not the most religious person, but, um, surrounded by a family of very religious people and my father especially and i'm not sure i told you this but i moved my father two doors away from me he's yep. in an apartment literally next to me now mm -hmm. and uh so i'm obviously spending a ton of time with him and he's definitely you know an older guy definitely in a high-risk category um has stayed home for the most part and i've taken care of him for the most part um but as a religious guy he has a religious take on a lot of things, really everything. And he just keeps saying the same thing over and over. It's become his mantra. And I really actually appreciate it, which is, this is, this is a test. I think this is something we've heard a lot in a lot of places from a lot of people. This is a test. And his point has always been, God is testing us in a way that is unbelievably kind. This test could have been so much more difficult could have affected children. It could have affected so many more people. And even though the numbers are huge, it could have been much worse. Mm. And especially with respect to the kid thing, if this affected kids, this experience would be unbelievably different and mm. unbelievably difficult, mm -hmm. more so than it already is. Right. But to think of it in that respect, I think I've really appreciated that. And it's, I think, been a kind of constant reminder as he repeats himself so often with it that, uh, Man, this could have been so much worse. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I definitely do. It's a conversation I've had with my own my own parents about it. Funny. Yeah. Um. All right. I don't know look. what that all has to do with sports or sports cards. <laughs> I'm but, like, okay, yeah. how do I parallel this? <laughs> no, there there isn't, right? And I think, in fact, I think it's the polar opposite in the sports world because 
there's a lot going on in the sports card world and you haven't been quite as connected as maybe you no. usually are. Right. And so even as we kind of prep for this a little bit, um, I didn't want to over prep you because I think your reaction to some of the stuff that's happening is, is going to be fun to talk about today. But right. l- l- let's just, let's start off the conversation about sports cards in general right now with, as you, from a very ancillary perspective, as you look at the sports card market from really first week of COVID-19, let's just say early March to right about now, would you advise someone to consider jumping into the hobby right now? It's interesting. Um, Before you and I talked to prep for this, and I would say even before just a couple of days ago, I would have said absolutely not. However, Despite some significant volatility, it seems to me like there's there is a lot of opportunity. That said, you have to be prepared. If it's not a hobby you love and you're being opportunistic, you better be ready to get the heck out. <laughs> if it's a hobby you've been thinking about for a while because you love sports and you used to be into cards... And you look, this is a good time to kind of use it as a cure for boredom to get back into it. Absolutely. So it's kind of like I would answer it both ways, but I would be extremely careful no matter how you get into it. Um, I think there's that for any hobby. And I can speak to it from the fountain pen perspective, especially because that's a newer hobby for me. But in the sports card world, and I, I'm sure we can poll folks that are new, newish, in their kind of medium to late stage, whatever it is, however you qualify it. And most would say, I spent the most money on the worst things in that first six months. Sure. It's the most dangerous period of your experience in the hobby. So yeah, for, for new people asking that question, it would be, be careful Yeah, and be especially careful right now because you may tell me that you have a, a better grasp on why certain things are happening and even what those things are, because I see some certain things happening and I'm not sure why. And I'm sure I have no idea about some of those, you know, issues that are taking place and positive or negative, but I see a certain amount of volatility and it could be a time to be opportunistic. But if you jump all the way in and say, oh, this is such a great opportunity and I'm going to go balls to the wall with it. Oh man, you could get hurt. Why do you think there's so much volatility? (sighs) Well, speaking just from personal experience, I'll start with just what I've seen in my own, uh, I'm, I'm focusing on not social media for a moment, just my own eBay experience. Okay. I've seen cars that have sat there listed for months, if not a year, that are finally selling. And I'm like, what the, why is it finally selling? And selling at a decent price, not like I'm um, fire sailing stuff. Right. I, haven't, I haven't discounted anything. And things are finally selling after so long. Um, and, and when I kind of started to see that trend 
creep up, I started listing a whole bunch of stuff that has just been collecting dust. And it's just been, I don't want to say flying off the shelf, but definitely going. Um, and I'm, I'm doing better probably than I've done in a long time, just in terms of moving inventory and for a decent price, not, not a premium necessarily, but I'm talking about things that I wasn't even, you know, it was sitting there on eBay and not selling. And now it finally, so there's that part. Uh, and then I am noticing certain things going for a premium that I don't know. I wouldn't say I necessarily would have expected that it would. Um, hmm. there, there's that part. I'm also on eBay specifically. Again, I'm, I'm for a reason saying this is not social media. <clears throat> Getting questions from potential buyers that very clearly indicate that this individual is but doesn't know. Yep. Doesn't know. And is yep. so new to the hobby. They don't even know how to ask the question. Yep. And that, that to me was so eye opening and really f shocking. I couldn't believe like, Whoa, they don't even know how to ask the question. I know what they're trying to understand. So I know how to answer the question, but this is where are they coming from? Is mm -hmm. this a cure for boredom yeah. or is this someone trying to be opportunistic or both? I don't know. Do you, ha do you get a general sense of kind of where people come? I mean, I have my own opinion, but I'm curious to know what you think. I mean, do you, do you, do you get a feel for where people come? Where, where is all this money coming from? It's a good question. I think that there's probably a, a I'm, I'm really not sure about this and I, I probably did hear this somewhere else. I just don't know who to give credit to for it, but it's probably some of that money coming from gamblers that don't have anything to gamble on. Yep. Because obviously all sports are shut down. Yep. Um, they want to get that experience gambling on something. So buy a card, try to flip it, so to speak. Um, simply sports fans that don't have a game to watch so they can engage in something related to sports without having that game to turn on. Not necessarily related to the gambler, but could be. It's not mutually exclusive is my point. Right. Um, so there's those two kind of factors. I, 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 And then I just think, I said it a few times already, it might not be either of those first two, but just a cure for boredom. How many people are just looking for something to do? Hmm. And maybe they were into something else somewhat related to sports cards, or they just talked to a friend that's into it, or they came across their through their YouTube rabbit hole, downward spiral, uh, a break or two, and that turned them on. Hmm. I think there's... A lot of in, in this digital age, there's a lot yep. of avenues to get to a lot of different things if you just spend some time letting yourself go down that rabbit hole. We've all gone down that rabbit hole on so many different things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just think that's, you know, people have so much more time on their hands right now. Yeah. No, this is something I, we've I've talked about a lot on the Patreon page with certain people, right? Mm -hmm. We're you you really can't justify and it's very you cannot justify the price increases we've seen the crazy price increases we've seen i mean you're talking like i mean you look at like a prism hobby basketball box right i mean back on april 11th it was going for about 775 i mean you're getting it for about a grand right now 
You're talking <laughs> 20% in two weeks. Wow. Uh, and I mean, that that's after a, a basically a 25% increase the previous three weeks. I mean, right. that, that's the type of stuff you're seeing in certain prices. And it's just, it's just not sustainable. It, it, this, this to me reminds me of like watching a, a penny stock, right? That a, a momentum stock where it, there's really no fundamental reason why it's increasing in price. There's nothing other than, other than the boiler room effect. Exactly. Other than hype. Right. And you just got people latching onto it. You got new interest and you got momentum, right? You got momentum. Right. And right. I've been saying this, I, I think it's incredibly unhealthy for the sports car market to see price increases like this with no fundamental reason for it. And the only real fundamental reason that exists is either play on the field court or right. what, what have you, or something else significant in the life of an athlete's career, like retirement, hall of fame or death. Exactly. Obviously none of those, well, I shouldn't say retirement hall of fame or death aren't happening, but obviously nothing's happening on the field. Or right. Right. So it, I hear you. I, I have to say though, as unhealthy as it is, I don't know that I would call this a bubble because it's so artificial that it almost exists in a different parallel world and that when this whole quarantine thing lifts, I don't think things will die, like fall off a cliff. I think they might normalize. We talked about a bubble in the past with this hobby and I think that may still exist on its own, but this whole quarantine effect I think is, is, is a separate thing. If, if hopefully I'm explaining myself well, but no, but, but, but I, but I think your point is, is fair, but I, I think what has happened is the quarantine has, it has, has inflated the bubble that already exists. Right. I mean, right. Th this is, this is not sustainable. This is not a realistic market we're living in because what we've done is we have alienated basically the entire bottom, bottom third of the hobby. Right. We just have, right. I mean, that, and that, that is not how this, that is not how the sports car world right. was created. Right. And if, if you're, if we're talking about just ushering in thousands of new DFS, you know, sp quote sports card investors, like they will run out as fast as they came in once their attention's occupied somewhere else. And that will, that will drive, that will drive cards down so fast. Right. I mean, the only thing I would ask in light of the statement you just made, do you think 100% of the people that came into this hobby during this period of time and inflated it in such a crazy way, 100% of them are going to run away as soon as it's over? You don't think we'll retain any of them? Oh, I'm not saying we won't. I mean, yeah, we'll retain some of them, of course, right? They're going to they're gonna realize that it's great, but it's, it's, it's just like, it's just like any other time, right? You realize that three months into this, six months into this, you made a, you made a thousand wrong decisions right. and it's not easy. And you got people buying literally at the peak of prices like right. ever in sports cards, ever. The upside is so limited right now. Like it's going to be, it's going to be like 
a super low success rate for these guys. 10%, 15% of people are going to actually right. do well. There's and, no question. And You're especially right. when, like when, when it's so controlled in the supplier side where, I mean, it's so much harder for people to get even product at a reasonable price. You have to go sneak and camp out at Walmart to get a price. The interesting thing about what you're saying is that this new blood has no way of even knowing that. Yeah. They're not even capable of understanding those details of the behind the scenes aspect of this hobby. They're just in such a like newbie accumulation phase in and accumulating in any way they can. They don't even have time to appreciate those nuances, let alone the, a lot of those things are on hold and not happening for them to even pay attention to. Very true. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Right. I mean, so much of the new product market is kind of on hold and how, you know, they, they could do some research and figure out that there's these things called middlemen and distributors who artificially inflate product by holding on to it and hoarding. And there's this whole thing called breakers that get, you know, it, but who knows what these people are even capable of educating themselves on. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. And, and there's a lot, there's a lot of underlying statistics that I've looked into and I've thrown out there for people to, to check out. Like, I mean, from, from a price, from a price perspective, it's easy to get kind of uh, jaded in the sense that, oh my gosh, prices are going up. But what you don't see is that volume has actually dropped off significantly and you have huh. a lot of, you have a lot less buyers, um, hmm. which, which I think is, it's kind of a scary proposition, right? You have a, you have prices inflating with less buyers, right? It, that is lit. It is like genuinely creating a bubble. So um, wouldn't you think though, that there's an enorm, uh, enormous, maybe that's an, an appropriate word, but at least a portion of the hobby and specifically the more stable population of folks that have been around for a while who are more conservative with their discretionary funds and see what's going on and kind of say to themselves, well, A, it's not a very stable time for me personally. B, the hobby's gone nuts. So I'm going to kind of sit back and watch a bit, maybe even get more into selling than I ever did before and wait for the hobby to normalize before I get back into buying stuff. So you have a – I'm just suggesting that as much as volume is down and that is scary and makes sense to what, to what you're trying to say – I think there's probably a fair number of educated hobby folks that are pulling out and that's the reason why the volume's down. Yeah, no, this is this is a hundred percent what's what's happening. And I oh, yeah. and I've been I've been a huge proponent of this. Like this is one of the greatest selling opportunities, us like that have been in the hobby for decades we've ever seen, right? And we would be fools not to sell everything we have that's not like tied to personal collection stuff. We'd be fools not to sell it now because you have all the uneducated folks coming in, swooping in and buying it up. You're going to be able to buy it back 40% less in six months. <laughs> That's what That's I think. Crazy. That's what I think. I really do. I really believe that. Like I, any advice I give to the veterans and the smart wise, it's like uh, sell what you can, like what you can get your hands on, sell it, build your personal collection later, later, like 
you're just you're you're buying at the wrong time. Um, let, wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> I have probably four, three row boxes, shoe boxes that is my PC that I never touch. That's in a separate part of the house. I'm about to go dig through it and pull out. I mean, there is a handful of stuff that I would never touch because I know it is that rare and I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be able to get it for a price that I'd be comfortable with right. after the fact. Right. And I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be comfortable getting rid of it. It's, you know, what I intend to pass along to my kids and hopefully them to theirs. But it's definitely not the entire contents of those four or three row boxes. Right. It's probably the contents of one of them. And the other three I can sell completely. And it's really what I've focused on more so as I have constantly for the past several years is what's new. I'm always trying to focus on selling what's new to get the premium on the newness of it all. Mm-hmm. And I haven't made that transition and I'm listening to you say that and I'm thinking oh, I'm definitely going to, after we talk, I'm going to start focusing on going through my closets and getting out the stuff that's just been sitting there and yep. shouldn't be. Uh, I have a big opportunity in front of me. You know what? There's not enough hours in the day. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, I've been spending a lot of time doing that. In fact, it's, it's unfortunately required me to shift time away from breaker culture stuff, but it's like, I, it's just an opportunity that we just don't see very often for sellers. Right. You can unload a lot of stuff right now at a great price. Wow. And, uh, I mean, and here, here's the other components, right? That you don't really think about. You got, you got PSA and BGS shut down. PSA just started firing back up. Um, so all the graded cards are seeing this kind of artificial price increase because there's not more, not more supply being injected right. into the hobby. And so you see, you're seeing it really on the base card side, right? You're seeing a lot of like graded base of, LeBron prisms and Morants and the Zions and you know even the second tier players and the new collectors don't realize that supply is not the issue. Like yeah. there's going to be a whole heck of a lot of supply come you know nine you know September right after right. The, the the grading companies have fired up and and there it's this the inventory is going to be so watered down where it's going to be impossible to sell the prices you're selling at. So you, you may have answered one of my questions, and that's why I want to ask it right now. The question is, and I think you're saying September. When do you what What's the window you think we have to capitalize on this opportunity? You think, think the summer? Yeah, I think you have. I think you have until the end of May to really sell at great prices. Because I think by the time you you have a lot of things kind of going against you at that point, right? You're going to have the world kind of going back to work probably come June. I think that's probably a fair statement most people will start to get back to work in the normal capacity, at least the summer. Right. And then the summer hits and then you're always distracted with summer activities with kids and like less people paying attention. And then once sports start DFS people, their money comes and goes, right. They're going to be right right back into the daily fantasy. And, and I keep saying DFS, by the way, there was a partnership announced where, you know, sports card investors partnering with DFS, they're putting together all this stuff for the DFS community. And I mean, that's, that's the type. What of, does that mean? Uh, it, it just means like that. What I mean, I don't know what it exactly means yet, but they're going to start putting out content for the DFS world. Cause that's, that's the type of person that's coming into the hobby right now. And, and again, like I, it's nothing against them. I think it's great. I think it's great for the exposure of the hobby, but 
if you're coming in to, to if you're coming in like you said for opportunity, then um, it's, you're in for a rude awakening, right? You're in for a rude awakening right now. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Yet there are still new products to consider. Yeah. Mosaic just hit. Which you got, right? You're one I was of the lucky uh, enough. 14 people in the United States that got it. Actually, Is that quite, true? No, I'm <laughs> kidding. No, there are quite a few people got it. It's funny how it slipped into Walmart. T so tell us about that. How did, how did you like Mosaic? You know, it's funny. As I was opening it, I was worried. I think it's a poor man's prism. I don't think the product looks great. Really? I think some of the parallels and some of the color combinations and designs they've used are pretty nice. But as a whole, when, so first of all, let me ask you, what, when did it stop being prism mosaic and it's just now mosaic? This year. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I said that kind of tongue in cheek. Like, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I look, I didn't think for a second that in the year that Zion and Ja are the rookies, even without them playing, that another basketball product was going to struggle. I knew it was going to kill and I knew it was going to be impossible to find on retail shelves. Yep. But when I opened the first pack, my initial knee jerk of the first base card I looked at was, eh, I don't know about this one. And, and then my first question was, how will it do compared to prism and then optic? Um, but obviously, with this market and what we just talked about for the last half hour, you know, clearly my focus was to open it as quickly as possible and get it on eBay as quickly as possible. Yep. Um, but if it were the real world, I actually – it's obviously so <laughs> weird to say this and we will never know. But I would argue that if it wasn't in this crazy environment, this would probably not do – nearly as well as prism maybe the same as optic maybe there'd be a market for doing slightly better because it looks more like prism than optic does i don't know i don't know i was underwhelmed at first i do like some of the parallels i like some of the colors um but obviously more than anything i like when i see zion or jaw at the bottom of the card that's all that matters <laughs> you are the epitome of the new collector <laughs> Um, that is funny. Uh, yeah. I think if anything, it's different. I think it's a different looking card and I, I actually like the photography better than the prison photography, which I didn't, you know, I'm not sure I even paid attention to the photography so much. So yeah, and I, you're I, becoming I, jaded. I'm not liking this. I'm not liking the new Shani. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely am becoming jaded. There's no question about that. Yeah how it's impossible to avoid that. And I think that's a cyclical thing, by the way. I don't think it's like a new, what do you, what do you mean by that? It's impossible to avoid being jaded in what sense? I think unless you're extremely disciplined and you do you in this hobby and stick to that in a, in such an extremely disciplined way, it's hard not to get swept up in the hype of things and say, Oh my basketball is so hot. I got to buy everything I can and flip it and make a profit mm -hmm. and turn that into 
you know, whether it's money I'm going to pour back into the hobby for myself in the way that I want to do things. I think you get my point. I don't have to elaborate any further. So I know I've gotten swept up into that. Yep. Thank God I've done well. And I, I, I hit kind of, I think what I would call my personal peak of that. And what I mean by that is how much I'm willing to spend on product and take that risk that I would have never considered before. And I would have been, you know, afraid of what my wife would have said kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, because I see the potential return and the potential return is so much more realistic than I think I would have ever said in the past. Mm -hmm. And that happens to be true. I've done well. Hmm. However, I'm looking into the future while I'm experiencing this and saying to myself, if it wasn't for Zion Jaw, and then on top of it, you got this crazy quarantine effect. I could have gotten taken. I could be crying on one knee, looking up at my wife saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just screwed us up because I took this risk. And that's not, a, that, that's just not a situation I can, I, I'm willing to experience. Yep. So I'm, I jumped into Mosaic just as hard as I did Prism and Optic this year. But moving into the future, I know how careful I intend to be. And I know I, I not just intend, but will be. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, as, as recent as a year ago, right? It, it was really hard to nickel and dime your way back to making a profit on, right. on buying at retail prices, right? I mean... By the way, I should... You just said something extremely important. This is all buying at retail. That's what I do. Correct. I do not spend hobby prices. I'm just not ever going to do that. But your point is completely accurate. So I'm sorry to cut you off. But no, I, just... I was just going to say. I mean, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it, it, a year ago and beyond, right? I mean, it's, it was it's it was always a losing proposition. Right. I mean, you had to get lucky. Yep. It was it was a fool's game to go yep. open anything, right? That's why breaking became popular, right? Because it was it was a little bit more of an efficient way <laughs> to spend your dollar. And it still is, right? But now you see prices so astronomical for hobby boxes, and that reflects in break prices now too. And now it becomes almost impossible to get retail prices, or retail boxes, unless you have a connection, that it's kind of, we've kind of, put ourselves back in the same position where it's, it's hard, it's hard to do, but at the same time, you got so much activity, so much momentum that it's not, it's not as much of a risk right now because there's right. so much momentum. But, right. But we know that that risk exists in in a year that there isn't an unbelievable rookie class or a quarantine to base it on, if you're not careful, it's right back at it. And maybe in the future, post-quarantine, it's even riskier. Yeah. And if, if we don't all willingly take a hard look at that and our, our personal practices about all this, it's potentially going to be a very dangerous world. Yeah. We were talking before the episode, we were talking about just how football seen some crazy price increases and, yeah. and it has, right? I mean, football has been the most surprising thing out of anything happening in the hobby. 
basketball, I get it. Zion, there's nothing being printed right now. But you made a point that I hadn't really thought of. And that is football was just available. Yep. It was there. It was the one thing that was on shelves because it was so crappy the last two years. <laughs> yep. That people were like, what, what do I go buy? And what did they go buy? They went and bought what was on the shelves, and that was football products. And that's from a retail perspective because that's my perspective. But I think it holds true for hobby. For folks that went that don't go to retail, whether in person or online, and they only look to hobby, whether online or walking into their local hobby shop, they're not necessarily looking at empty basketball shelves, but Pretty prices that are just way too beyond their reach. Right. So what's not only on the shelves, but also at an accessible price? Yep. Football. And what are they talking about on ESPN right now? Oh, only the NFL football. draft, right? Yeah, that's it. Right. Trades yep. and free agents and draft. So it's the top of mind. Perfect, yeah. Perfect I, I will for... say, I, I flat out couldn't believe some of the prices I was getting for prison draft. And I really? had a couple years of experience in terms of how to list this stuff, you know, in terms of the timeliness, having a whole bunch of listings ready to go for when the picks were made, throw in the NFL team next to that guy's name and let it go. And yeah, I, uh, I was pretty shocked at some of the, some of the return I got hmm. on prism draft. And I didn't, I didn't even really go close to crazy. It's not like I was going at prism draft 2020 prism draft football like I had any of the basketball stuff, hmm. you know, and around here, at least a lot of that stuff is, was still on the shelves up until two days before the draft. But once it hit two days before the draft, that stuff disappeared. Crazy. Yeah. That, that is so unusual. Yeah. Like that stuff sits there all year. Right. Right. So yeah, you can't find it on any shelves around here. Well, I should I should I should change that. There was a replenishment of 2020 Panini Prism draft football right next to Mosaic. The stuff that was put out next to Mosaic is still there as of <laughs> Friday. Well, I shouldn't say still there cuz I didn't go back after Friday when I got my Mosaic when I was lucky enough to get mosaic after driving around for two hours, three hours, you better have a mask on in your car. So I got to say, yeah. And finally, I, I basically after hitting up, I can't even tell you how many Walmarts said I'm done. My one last effort is to drive out to the furthest reaches Walmart that I could even consider that I know of and know where it is. I think that was, I, I was already an hour away from home and I drove another hour and a half. So I was two and a half hours away from home, got to that one most rural Walmart I was aware of. They had a complete mosaic shelf that wasn't touched and got lucky, went home, mm. went, yeah, um, went back to that same store and even though I had left all the prism drafts sitting next to it as of what's today, Sunday. So I went back yesterday that, that, that was all gone as well. Oh, well, there you go. So it didn't take long. Once the mosaic is gone, then it leaves the opportunity <laughs> oh, for the crap. draft to dry up too. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's nuts. But I, I think that window for Prism draft is pretty darn short unless you're one of the, I don't know, maybe first rounder, more likely the top half of the first round. Well, but who it, knows? Yeah. This crazy market, I could be completely wrong. I think you probably are wrong, right? Because I think the reality is you're, you're at least three weeks away from the next product, probably four. Right. You know, I mean, there, there's just not anything out there. So it's the only way to get your hands on some of the guys that were just all over ESPN. And so, I mean, yeah. Lucky for Penny. It's funny, like it's this is a almost a a necessary purging that took place of the stuff that's been sitting on shelves. Oh my god, all that seventeen, eighteen. You right. know, I actually can't believe myself. I made a mistake and bought a couple things, thinking it was. So let, let me let me explain that better. It wasn't any product that I typically find myself grabbing, and this was like two weeks ago when it was like, oh my god, there's nothing, and I'm bored at home. I just want to grab one blaster to scratch that edge. I thought I was grabbing the most recent series two hockey. And I grabbed series two hockey from 1718 and I opened it. I, I opened it. <laughs> I got as far as opening the first pack until I looked at the cards and was like, Oh my God, I bought a blaster that had been opened and repacked and resealed. No. And I'm thinking, how did that happen to me? I, I, I'm too, I, I'm better than that. And I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh my God, it's not repacked and resealed. You bought something from 1718, you moron, without knowing it. Uh, I was so pissed at myself. I'm I'm pissed at you too. I <laughs> I bring you on this show for your expertise, your credibility, and you do this. <laughs> In my defense, 1718 Series 2 Upper Deck, its color scheme is very similar to... 1920 series two, kind of a blue and white color scheme. The difference is in 1718, there's a bit of orange in there too that I just completely overlooked. All is not forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> or all is not lost. There you go. There you 20. go. I pulled a couple decent young guns. Actually, I don't think I did. But um, how? So how can the average? How can the average Joe stay in this hobby? Somebody entering new right now. What would be I, the it's advice interesting you to say that because when you first said, how does the average Joe, I thought you meant the hobby guy that's been here for a while and has, is having to weather this storm. Well, I think from, we've already answered that question, right? The, the guy that's got experience and has inventory knows right now you probably sell. And in fact, <laughs> right. it's not even a probably. You do sell right now. You sell into strength. That's what you do in stocks. That's what you do in any investment. You sell into strength. Um, what, what is the, the guy entering the market? Let's just say we got a new collector listening today. What, what advice would you give him to being smart and shrewd? Because look, I mean, I, I don't want, I don't want anyone to think that I think it's completely stupid to not try to take advantage of an opportunity. Like I, I, I don't, I don't look well, at this it, as is, Aren't you talking about the person that we're trying to take advantage of? <laughs> well, yeah, in a certain <laughs> sense, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't expect that type of person to. To listen to maybe listen right but if they are if right, they're I, listening then there's somebody who is at least closer to an intention to stick around and in that case yeah i am speaking to them <laughs> speak right to them. right um but realistically the newbie that's just looking at this from a wildly different perspective than most of us are that are listening to podcasts about the hobby you know, the, those are the people that 
uh, you know, we're, I don't want to say we're trying to take advantage of, we're trying to capitalize because of the situation that's been created with them. But to the guy that wants to stick around, I think you have to try your best to learn quickly and mitigate uh, to, to the degree that you can the, the mistakes that are made early on in any hobby, like we kind of spoke of a bit ago. Um, try your best to curb those itchy fingers and before you click buy or if you're at a store like a tar- whether it's retail or hobby um you know ask yourself a second or third time before you finally hit that register whether or not this is a smart buy i can cl- clearly if it's basketball 1819 19 or 1920 you don't have to think twice go ahead and buy it if you can find it buy it if it's football it looks like right now buy it but be careful because that's probably looking at a, a pretty short turnaround unless you're buying to keep in which case you know it's still important to be careful because you don't even know what you want right now for yourself for your personal collection so focus on your team the players you know you love and the obvious big, big names if you can actually get those without breaking the bank. I don't know that there's much else to it, and it's kind of the same advice I would give almost any time to someone who's sticking around. But this short-term storm is so unique that, you know, what what are you actually trying to do? If it's turn a profit... Just buy and list quickly. Don't make the mistake of trying to write your own listings and use your own language. Look at the look, look at other listings. eBay actually does you a, a service by giving you an opportunity to use other listings to list your own product. Hmm. Don't get creative. Don't don't use your own language. Take good pictures. It's such the basics. Um, but you see movies making these mistakes so often it's maddening. Yep. I would, uh, I would agree to uh, all that. I would just add a couple things. I would say first off, same with any other business venture opportunity, know your plan, have a plan. Like don't, don't buy and just kind of expect things to come to you. Like know what you're getting yourself into. Like that. This is a very fast moving hobby. I don't care what you see on like certain channels and other people talking about how it's an unstoppable trend. <laughs> it is a hundred percent unstoppable and it will stop. It just will. Cause we've seen these movements before, maybe not to this degree, but we've seen these before and know your strategy, know your plan and don't be afraid to take advantage of other people's other people's networks, right? We have a great Discord channel, like you and I have mentioned it a couple of times. Like, there's a lot of great collectors in there that are that are really nice about helping people out. Don't list your stuff on eBay without asking questions to a community, right? Like, that's what they exist for. Um, so, I, I think just plug yourself in. I think is a is a very important factor. I, the only thing I would say, and this is not to disparage anybody in social media, but specifically. I don't want to disparage anybody who's currently active in the Discord channel, in the Breaker Culture Discord channel. But know who you're talking to because it does seem to me like there are some folks that have a little bit of experience and become experts very quickly. 
relative to the guy who really has been around for a while and is an expert. So make sure you're getting good advice. And I don't know how to tell you to make sure you're doing that other than to ask a lot of questions. Yep. You should be able to kind of figure out who's winging it and just telling you what their very short-term opinion is based on a short period of time, but, uh, you know, relative to the guy who, who's been around for a while and is, is seasoned and has well-seasoned thoughts, opinions, and advice to share. Um, but because I, I only say that because I've seen some bad advice come across and I don't know, I, I, if you don't have good advice to give and you're not humble enough to recognize where you are in the kind of growth curve in this hobby, you know, you might want to check yourself. <laughs> I said, that's about the nicest way I could say that. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's parting <laughs> words from Shani. <laughs> I think I think you've probably seen a comment or two like I'm like I'm thinking about right now. You know, uh, just... you've texted me a few times about it. I I, I see it. No, I, I for sure. No, look, here's the reality. Like, the, there's a lot of new collectors. Period. A lot of people that have been around three months that think because they sold a couple things for profit, all of a sudden have 15 years of experience. Right. Like that's the exactly. same in any profession. Right, yep. you trade a stock and you make a couple bucks, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm a professional investor." It's like it, it, there is a lot of things you haven't seen yet that will totally undermine what you're doing. And I would even argue it doesn't even take having success to be that person because there are just some people inherently that just are overconfident in life. Yeah, <laughs> I love those people. <laughs> <laughs> those are usually my best friends. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, not to be crazy tongue in cheek. I just, you know, I, I, I'm no, I sure I've been that overconfident guy. And people, it, it, nobody likes to think of themselves as a novice, uh, know nothing. You know, everyone wants to be confident, express their confidence, feel confident. Um, there's just got to be a, a, a certain ability to know your place. Um, so, yeah. The advice is know your place and also know where you're getting your advice. Mm, okay. All right. Well, I, I'm going to say one last thing before we, we kind of wrap this up. And that is I, d I don't, and I kind of went down this path a second ago. I don't want people to get the impression that you or I don't think it's a good idea to take advantage in this hobby now. Because I do think there is opportunity. But I think what's lost in all this is thinking that it is only about the opportunity. And I think if we lose sight of why the hobby exists, like I've even shifted away from this idea of even using the word investing again. Like, I just don't think it's the right word for me, especially like I, well, I, I also wanna... think it's the wrong word for a lot of other people seem Agreed. to be set off by that word. So I'm okay changing my language. I, I'm okay with that. I agree with you. So here's the way I look at my approach to the hobby now. And that is I want to manage a profitable collection. That's it. I just yep. want, I want to have a collection because that's what I do. I do this with my, <laughs> my teams and my sports and my kids, but I don't want to throw money away. Nobody does. Right. right. So there's a way to do it profitably. And so that's kind of the way I've shifted my thinking a little bit. And if you can approach it that way, I think it becomes much more of an enjoyable thing to take part in. So are you, what are you coloring or something? I'm actually writing down a couple of things that I want to remember from this conversation. 
Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were doing one of those adult coloring books. No, I actually take notes every episode, but I think I'm writing a little bit with more pressure and a little faster than I typically do because I, I have so many things I want to capture from this conversation. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's time. I'm surprised the mic picked that up. Man, that's nuts. <laughs> Technology, man. It's pretty impressive. Copious, vigorous note taker. Yeah, you are. I feel like you're working up a sweat over there. <laughs> All right. What, what, uh, what have you been watching these days? I know you're big into capturing recent shows and stuff give me give me something good give the listener something good to go check out i got a gem that i would bet a lot of money very few folks have ventured toward because it's a foreign language and I not many people this. really enjoy subtitles um but i would argue is it's worth it you can actually there is a way to turn on english and not have to read it you just have to deal with seeing a different language being spoken in this money heist no actually that's really good (laughs) that is good too and parasite by the way was really good i i finally watched that okay this is a netflix series called fauda f-a-u-d-a okay it's an israeli show about a an anti-terrorist unit um that really does exist and the stories are kind of ripped from the headline stories and uh, it's on its third season. That was just the third season was just released like last week sometime. I think it was the 16th that it came out. I've watched the entire third season in 48 hours. It's such a good show. But aside, aside from that, I'm watching, I'm still watching Ozark. Um, but the newest show I just started with my wife we got through two seasons in about 10 days and we no wonder just started... you haven't talked to your kids. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but uh West world. Okay. Did you ever watch that? No, I didn't. AI, Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins is only in it. Well, I won't give anything away. A lot of it, it's, it surrounds AI for the most part. Um, and there's a lot of mind bending, plot lines and uh it's 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 pretty good Hmm. Uh, but ozark fauda westworld would be top three if you want to involve your kids in something although there are a couple of edgy things that go on but for you know with with so much content being so inappropriate for kids it's it's sometimes hard to find stuff that could be family friendly but all american interesting i haven't even heard of this it's a series also on Netflix about a football player. Okay. And, uh, you know, he's got a long lost dad kind of thing, a championship that happens, some girlfriend issues, but, you know, teenage issue type stuff. But it, it could get close to some questionable episodes, but um, I've watched that with the kids. Okay. I, dude, I have a long list. Yeah, well, this is its own episode with the the quarantine <laughs> quarantine <episode>. watch list. <laughs> I've watched a lot of stuff. That's what we'll do. We'll have a quarantine watch list episode. I'll give you a few names. Well, I, it's nothing that you haven't seen, probably. Um, if you're looking for kids shows, the the Lost in Space season two is excellent. Um, the Lost in Space stuff from Netflix is just awesome. Period. Did you watch that? No, I'm writing it down though. Yeah, it's really good. Um, 
you already mentioned money heist. I think money heist. We're not all the way through it, but really, really good. It's didn't realize this. It's the number one watch show outside of America in the world. Wow, I didn't yep. know that. Yep, yep. It's uh, and you see why you get sucked in almost. I mean, really, the first episode. Remind me what language I watched some of it a while. What what it's, language is that in again? In Spanish, but it's it's it's. That's right. I believe it's this, it was produced in Spain, or it came out of Spain. Okay. I, I, yeah, I actually don't know if that's 100% accurate. but um, I've actually gone back and watched a couple of my favorite movies, funny enough, from the Discord channel. Someone threw out there, like, you need to go. We're talking about The Big Short and a couple other movies. But The what Big Short is one movie. of my favorites. Oh, like, my God. Right now, it, just, it feels even more relevant again. Right. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, I did watch The Way Back, Ben Affleck. Do you watch that? What is that about? I, that I, is that the, the sports? Yeah. yeah, I yeah. meant, you know what? My kids want it. Is it kid appropriate? Um, Knowing you with language, probably. But for me, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm definitely more liberal in what I allow my kids to see. So it no, probably is. For a 12-year-old boy, it's, still, it's totally fine, right? It's right. just a bunch of language. But the the it's a, it's a really good story. That was on the list. Is that Netflix? Well, no, it's not. It's it's one of those like they released it early from theaters, early release. So you got you got to pay like you got to pay for it. Okay, right. Yeah, still cheaper than taking your family to a theater. Yeah, yeah, very very true, very true. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's been been kind of fun f- trying to find some gems. So I'm I'm gonna go check out Falda. I like that. Definitely not kid friendly. Okay. <laughs> Extremely violent. Okay. Oh, speaking of extremely violent, I did watch the the extraction that just came out. I don't know what that is. Who's in that? Hemsworth. Thor. Oh yeah. It just came out on Netflix yesterday or Friday. It's uh that is a true popcorn flick, and it is from the second you watch it, you start it, it is nonstop action. It's pretty good. By the way, not that I'm a huge Hemsworth family fan, but the oldest brother who really didn't have much of a profile is one of the not primary, but just secondary characters in Westworld. Okay. He, I don't think anybody's seen him in anything unless you're in Australia, (laughs) but he's in Westworld. The extraction, by the way, when you said the money heist is from Spain, there's another, I don't know if it's from Spain, but it's a Spanish language, uh, movie, not a show called the platform. I haven't watched it. I haven't built up the guts to watch it. But if you get a chance, just go and watch the trailer for the platform. And next time, tell me what you think. It is crazy looking. All right. I, I you'll understand when you see the trailer why I haven't built up the guts to watch it. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Love to hear your opinion or anyone else who's listening. If you're from the Discord channel, let's, let's start a conversation about the platform on Discord. That looks like, yeah. Again, you got to be be willing to deal with subtitles, but man, that looks pretty crazy to me. All right, I'll throw a link out to the trailer, and we'll have a little discussion about it. I can't wait for that. That's going to be interesting. Shani, it has been super, super nice to have you back. It has been fun. That that was a fun conversation. I think we exceeded your hour hard stop. (laughs) Hopefully, your kids aren't freaking out. They are probably waiting outside my door with fishing poles because I'm supposed to go. Oh, is that what you're doing? Going fishing? fishing here in about six That's minutes. Awesome. Yeah, nice. we're going to go have some fun. 
All, everybody. We're going all six of us out to go fish. Wow. Yeah. It should be good. The baby's got my first fishing pole from who even makes that my first line of toys? Whenever you say my first, I think of pony, my first pony. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have fun. Catch all the right, big bro. one. Yeah. All right, later. Bye. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to go check out benchclear.us for all the other great content from some phenomenal shows in the network. I think you'll enjoy it. Have yourself an amazing week.